Well, Keyshawn, thanks for telling me about your sister. Um, as I had just said before we turned the video on, that uh, I've been around this sort of thing for, for many, many years. I've been um, um, involved with, actually in some cases, getting the, uh, the, the drugs changed. Because there was one state uh, that I had where a young man uh, was actually post-traumatic stress disorder, but that he was giving the psychotropic drugs of schizophrenia, and he just absolutely refused to take them and wouldn't take them. And in state law in North Carolina, he doesn't have to take the drugs. Okay. Um, but... When I found out what was really going on with him, I talked to the psychologist myself and then the psychologist and I got the psychiatrist to change the diagnosis, to change the kind of medication that he was on. And that in fact, uh, saved everybody quite a lot of hassle by taking him off of all medication because he didn't want to take it anyway, especially since the medication that they had been prescribing him for years was the wrong stuff. Yeah. So, okay. about the medication, that's not the issue. The issue is that whether it is schizophrenia or whether it is post-traumatic stress disorder or something else is not relevant. What is relevant is not the diagnosis of what they say that she has. What's relevant is the fact that your sister's life is full of fear. She's afraid of everything. Mm-hmm. And, and we need to work with her from the perspective that she's a frightened little animal, a frightened child. And so when she's acting out, she's not acting out against you. She's acting out against a very dangerous environment. Yes. And so the family needs to see it that way so that they can uh, treat her um, uh, in a way so that she begins to feel safe. For instance, if she behaves outrageously and you punish her for that, then you're just proving to her that the world is dangerous. Okay. okay, but if you uh, maybe just don't even mention it to her at all, just kind of ignore her outburst and her uh, outrageous acts. And instead, what you're doing with her is, for instance, getting her engaged in what you're doing, or you become interested in what she's doing. But you kind of get on her side with it. If she starts telling you about it, ain't it awful about what's bad and dangerous and whatnot like that, then you can join with her on that and agree with her. Yes, I've had that same trouble myself. And once you get into that, once you can make that connection with her so she finally trusts you, then you can give her advice in the sense, and this is what I did about it when I felt really freaked out and uh, full of fear. But you can't do that until you make that connection, and as long as it's, it's, it's her against the family, <coughs> no one is going to be able to help her. It's only when she is uh, slowly, slowly beginning to figure out that her family is on her side. Well, guess what? That means that the family is going to have to change their position to be on her side. Because right now the whole family is against her and she knows that and so does every member of the family. Yeah. 
And the reason that we know that is because she's already been taken away. Right? Right. Whether that was ever going to happen or not, we don't, you and I right now don't have any control over it. The fact that that has happened, but she be, she will be returning to the family. The, uh, uh, the, the, the state, the social workers don't have some kind of magical, uh, uh, psychiatric institute to take her to and everybody's going to be happy all the all the time that doesn't happen uh they will try to get her stabilized and then brought back home when she does come home you want to make it a celebration Mm. okay everybody's so happy that she's back home again Okay, yeah. so this, this is the way that we have to start approaching it rather than each person um, responding to um, the daughter as uh, how does, an impingement upon their rights, because that's how everybody sees her. The people have to go lock up their stuff. They have to pick up behind her. They have to put up with her outbreaks and that kind of stuff. And so they see her as an impingement. Mm-hmm. He starts seeing her as a family member, and that the stuff that she's doing is not an impingement. It's her way of communicating the fact that she is terrified, traumatized, and that she's re- she's acting out to that. So the issue about the toilet paper, as we had talked before, rather than trying to limit the toilet paper. You want to make the toilet paper freely available to her mm-hmm. so that she feels like she's got enough. Mm-hmm. That she's got enough of everything, enough tough shoe, enough uh, toilet paper, enough nurturing from her mom. She's got enough. When she begins to feel like she's got enough, then the, then this terror of not having enough will begin to subside. Now, if she were an actual Dharma student and I had things to say to her, there are things that we could start working with. And so uh, just as a brother, you can start mentioning things to her, but only after you make that connection with her. The way that I was saying it before is, is that we cannot offer her advice until you're on her team. So you have to join her team. You have to get on her side. If she comes to complain to you about something, then you complain about that same thing with her. Don't try to mollify it or make it better or tell her that she's wrong in any way. But you begin to make friends with her, side with her, and then we can start making advice about um, what you could advise her the way that you do it but you do it from the position of her being your friend as opposed to uh you want her to behave this way so that you feel better you're actually trying to help her feel better for her own sake Hang on a second.
Okay, what? Mm -hmm. No, yes, I was just agreeing with you. I'm sorry I didn't catch what you said. I, I, I didn't really say anything. I was just agreeing with you. Did you okay. Were, were you kind of wrapping up there? I mean, I could say something. Maybe um, if you could do a little, I think it would be interesting for them to hear what you said about what you think the origin of this is. Maybe, I don't know if, that, if that's helpful um, in terms of like, this is PTSD, that she's fearful. This is out of fear. It's like a cornered animal, essentially. And that's how right. you have to look at it. Right. Um, on, on a side note, and we don't want to spend any time on this, but on the side note, this issue about a cornered animal, that a cornered animal behaves differently than one who has backup. In other words, when things go dangerous, when things get really bad, we get backed into a corner, which means now there's no place to go. And the only thing to do uh, is escalate, mm. okay, to make things bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, uh, the, the cornered animal tries to make himself as big as ferocious as he can, all right? And you can see that that happens even in politics. That's what's happening to the Republican Party right now, is, is the craziness of the Republican Party right now is because of the loss. They feel like they're cornered. Okay. Unfortunately, the United States is not a family. It's not. It's, it's warring factions with many, many different tribes. But within your family, inside the unit there, we do not have to treat the, uh, the daughter like she was a cornered animal. Okay, because she's not really. The, her being a cornered animal is only in her own mind. Yes, but we have, there, there has been some development where there's been talks and discussions about you got to straighten out and I'm looking for a new place to move and I'm going to move there and, you know, once this lease is up, you're going to have to figure it out type of situation. So I think maybe that's definitely probably want to go in a different direction. Okay, I, that's I, another I thing. I experienced that myself before I got my own job. Yeah. Okay, that would be another thing. Don't talk with her now until she's ready for it about future. That the future, like the past, is terrifying, but only the present moment is safe. So don't talk about her about, oh, well, three months from now or in the future, you're going to have to move or anything like that because that's terrifying for everybody. Mm -hmm. So kind of stay off of those topics with her and only stay with pleasant things. Stay with pleasantries. When she wants to complain, you can agree with her. Yes, she's right. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay, so uh, uh, so if she, if she wakes up in the middle of the night screaming about my dad snoring, <laughs> what do you how do you how do you handle that? Um, I really don't know. I'd have to talk to her about it in the sense of what does the snoring mean? You might in fact ask her about it. 
You might, in fact, talk to her about it. You know that your dad can't do anything about it, that he's asleep when he's snoring. Is there anything else that you can do other than just yell? <laughs> okay. But you have to start with, I don't like his snoring either. Mm-hmm. Okay. You got to get on his on her side with this. Okay. So it's a problem both of you now have the snoring rather than her, her screaming all night is your problem now is not the right way of looking at it. But rather that she's just reacting stronger to the same problem that everybody has. Yeah. You see how that unity, we're trying to bring the family back together, trying to make it safe environment, trying to uh, uh, allow her to be friends, to find some friendly, safe environment. And right now, even her family is dangerous to her. Yeah. One thing about the snoring, I think she said she, I don't know if they've gotten the real detail on it, because I wasn't able to parse that out for my mom, but I think she said, you know, and the, the overarching theme is that he's doing it on purpose to get at her. He's depriving her of sleep with his snoring, like on purpose. I mean, right. Well, you can see how that every uh, people who are in this traumatic stage take everything personally. Mm-hmm. Just like the example of the, the, the father killing the child was because he felt like he was under attack. All right, so your your sister then feels like the snoring is attacking her to where it's not really. You snore too. She just doesn't have to listen to you. <laughs> Everybody snores. Yeah. Okay. Now, one of the things that you could do on the side note, this has got nothing to do with your sister, but for your dad, when he's sleeping on his back, he's more than likely going to snore. But if he's sleeping on his side, he's unlikely to snore. They were just telling me about this. They were just telling me about how now he's sleeping on his side. They're trying to get him to sleep on his side. Just yesterday, they were telling me about that, how he can't sleep on his back anymore (laughs) or else. There'll be hell to pay. <laughs> All right. Well, if you're sleeping on the side, then the snoring will be will be less. But the snoring, when it happens, is still going to be annoying to her. And as you just said, and she takes it personally. Mm-hmm. Okay. A ridiculous thing would be is is that uh, uh, the road repairmen are right outside the house on the street with jackhammers. And your daughter is going to take that person, I mean, your sister is going to take that personally also, that those jackhammers are out there just to make life tough for me. Now, this, any logic... I lived in that situation not too long ago, like a couple years ago, that really was happening. Every morning. A year ago, yeah. Uh-huh to where those workmen are out there making all that noise because they're doing a job and they don't even think about the people in the houses. Mm-hmm. But the people in the houses, each one of them thinks that that man with that jackhammer out there is making all that noise just to make it problem for me. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's back then to the snoring is, is that we take everything personally because we are personally affected by it. 
And so a conversation uh, all around the house could turn it into a joke. The joke is, is daddy snores. Ha ha. <laughs> Isn't that funny? <laughs> yeah. That's the way to start treating this is turning it into light, making it. It's not important. It's not about her. It's just something that's happening. Slowly, slowly, she'll figure that out only if she begins to see that the house is safe. Not that they're doing anything to, by, or for her to make it safe, but rather that they just kind of accept her the way she is. Mm. Okay. Uh, At this age, uh, there's also limit testing. And she's testing limits. How far can I go? How long can I hold my hand in the fire before it burns? Okay. Look at the industries that are associated with that. I mean, BMX bikes and uh, rollerblades and all kinds of sports equipment are based upon this of testing limits. Well, she, she's actually uh, train-surfing now. Pardon? I said she's actually train-surfing now. That's her new hobby and job, is to go on the New York City subway with candy and try and sell it. That's like her new job, apparently. That's Is this her idea? Um to go and purchase candy at a retail level and then go out and sell it? Or does she work for a candy company and selling their candy? Well, growing up in New York City, taking the train, there's always either a football team or somebody for their basketball team selling candy on the train. And that's like, I grew up seeing that. We grew up seeing that our whole life. And generally, you think you would never be doing something like that, but no, she's gone out to the retail store, purchased candy, and she's going out there and selling it on the train just on her own, trying to get money. And she's okay. very, very proud of her uh, her job. She's like, I'm making money, happy about it. <laughs> I'm like, okay, great. Uh, I'm not offering this as advice, but just as the alternative that... Um I'll use Willie as an example that Willie is actually out buying candy. Yeah. Give it away on the train. Mm. Really? He's out there making friends. He's not out there trying to make money. He's out there making friends. Yeah. Really? There's a different way of, of looking at it. Yeah, generosity is something to be done in New York and Chicago. Very few people have any generosity in big cities. I can't, I, uh, walking around handing out candy, I feel like that's, <laughs> I guess, looked upon in a funny way. <laughs> I don't know. Depends on how you approach it. Yeah, well, I wouldn't be giving uh, 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 expensive big pieces of candy, but just, you know, the, the little things, the droplets, uh, uh, the thing that you can unwrap and pop in your mouth immediately, that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. Cheap stuff, right. Uh, and, and give it away. 
because that then everybody feels happy. Okay. So a little of that, maybe a little selling and a little giving away, that would be something. But anyway, back to the whole point about um, that what she needs is she needs uh, security. She needs to feel safe. She needs to feel like she can experiment with the family without the family freaking out over it. And that, in fact, what will happen is, is that if the family changes their frame of reference with this, then what will happen is that she will act out even more for a short time. And when they don't react to her acting out even more, then she'll call it off. But if they change and start to becoming friendly with her and she acts out just to prove to herself that they're not being friendly at all, they're just doing something some dude on TV told him to do, and I can get him to freak out. So she's going to go do this, hoping that the family will freak out, and she's proved herself correct. Mm-hmm. Okay, so she's probably going to over-escalate. Okay. Okay. Let that be, know that in advance, that she could possibly over-escalate, and let that be okay, too. Recognizing that she's testing her limits, she's testing her boundaries, and that what she needs is friends. She needs a a loving family, and she's put herself in a position to where she's freaking her family out. So it's going to take an awful lot of extra work and effort on the family's part to do their part so that she can feel secure that she really is a member of the family, that she, she's among friends. That's the word that you're looking at is friends. You can be friends with her. So this is the advice that I would have. Uh, rather than the standard way that we're dealing with it, uh, as if there was something wrong with her. Yeah. And that she needs to be fixed, or she needs to be medicated, or she needs to be punished. All of that kind of stuff uh, has so far been unaffected, not just for your sister, but we're talking about in the entire psychiatric community that doesn't work. Yes, I think that's an important point to make here. And it's kind of the point I was trying to make to my mom the other day, that... There's a couple ways to look at this, but it kind of all boils down to there isn't really another solution out there. I mean, there's other things you could do, but they won't really be uh, solutions in the traditional sense. It'll only get worse. I know, but here's a way that we can think of it that's, that's kind of profound, and that is, is that everybody's got in the situation that there's a problem to be solved, right? Mm-hmm. Your sister sees a problem to be solved. She feels um, outrageously insecure. And your mom's got problems to be solved. Your, your daughter's acting weird. And she screams at your dad for storing and things like that. And now you've gotten involved with it, right? And everybody's coming to this situation that it's a problem to be solved. Guess what? There's no problem to be solved. There's no issues. There's no problems. That all we have to do is give the girls some love. Give them some tender, loving care. 
That's what she's needing. And yeah. when she feels loved, then there's no problem. So if there's any problem at all, the problem is, is that she feels unloved, uncared for. She's paranoid. There's problems with everything that she has. Um, she's striving to make herself good enough rather than having the family uh, point out to her that, hey, she's already completely acceptable. She doesn't have to do anything. She's already okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No problems. There really are no problems. If you think there's a problem with, uh, with toilet tissue, for example, going back to that one, then just go buy a whole bunch of toilet tissue. Go get a big package of 36 or 72 rolls. Mm-hmm. And now we've got no problem with tissue. Or get the big one that they put in like an office building. Like, you can't yeah, run out of right. Yeah. Yep. Oh, well, uh, in office buildings, normally they have tissue that is on a great big roll as opposed to the, the little rolls. But you can buy the little rolls. Yeah, just buy a lot of them. Yeah. yeah, just buy an, enough tissue so that there's no no problem with tissue. Little things like that are okay. Now, as far as locking stuff up, the things to that you would want to do is unlock as much stuff as possible and only lock up the really important things, like your mom's uniforms and stuff like that would be locked up. But you want to have uh, the, the attitude that it's really okay that your sister is there. She's not a problem. She's part of the family. She's a joy. She's not heavy. She's your sister. All right. So, um, I think that this is possibly enough. I mean, we just keep saying the same thing over and over again, and that is is that when when we try to fix her, that's making things worse. When you accept that she's the way that she is, she will escalate some, but then she'll settle down. Mm -hmm. So beware that she might escalate. Be ready for that, and when she does, that's okay, too. She needs nurturing, and your mom knows how to nurture. So let your mom nurture her. Okay. Sounds good. I'm going to share this video with her. All right. So I'm going to cut the video off now.